I don't have, you know, enough information as far as knowledge of scripture to share with people. I always let them know that it's not so much the quantity of words, but it's the quality of words. Amen. And you don't have to go into a long speech or if you are a great orator, just sometimes simple verses, a simple testimony sometimes does the trick because you don't know what's on the heart of those who are listening to your words, how they can be transforming. Amen. So I pray that the words that I have prepared for you will encourage you on today. I have prepared this morning a song that I would like to have played so that I can walk into what God has given me this morning. And if Sister Gloria, chapter 13, verse 7. Now, just to give an idea of what the song was going to present to you, I did write a portion of it down. Hopefully it will lead you into what I'm about to say. The song was titled, He's Preparing Me, by Daryl Cole. God is preparing me for something I cannot handle right now. He's making me ready just because he cares with what I need to carry out the next matters in my life for everything that comes in my life. He's preparing me. So why would I use that title and that song for this sermon and the topic I would like to use, he's preparing me. Well, in the passage that I gave you, this passage has a lot to do with the Last Supper and the washing of the feet of the disciples, amen? But as I was reading this passage, what I found interesting was not so much the dialogue or the experience that the disciples received with their feet being washed, was the verse that preceded that experience for them. And that was the verse seven. And it reads, Jesus answered and said unto him, which is Peter, what I do thou knowest not now but thou shalt know hereafter. Now in reading that, one would think that that verse has a lot to do with the following verses. Once again, which talks about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. But as I begin to do my study on that, I begin to see something different. Of course, the object lesson of, for the disciples was to learn humility in serving God, or let's say serving each other. In other words, Jesus was teaching them how to be humble and subservient to the body of Christ and to themselves. Because prior to this experience, the disciples were bickering between one another who was the greatest. You know the story. But he was bringing them to an understanding of being humble towards one another. But this is not my focus. But I just wanted to say that just to give clarity to what was going on and why. 
But my focus today is on verse seven. What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. So what was actually going on in that statement, in that verse? These things, the disciples at first didn't understand. So what was it about this particular verse that stood out for me? And why does it have to apply to another perspective? Well, to give that verse a support scripture, because again, when a person reads verse seven, they automatically think that it, it leads them into the experience of the feet being washed. But the understanding that I have, he was making them aware of something else that will follow, not only after the feet washing, but after his death, burial, and resurrection, their experience in their lives. Now, there are two verses that I would like to use that corresponds with verse 7 in the book of John. Now, if you go to chapter 12, verse 16 in the book of John, and these scriptures I'm using to support verse 7 and how it applies to your life, my life, but this story, this sermon that I'm preaching today. In verse 16 of chapter 12, these things understand not his disciples, at the first. Now, what did that verse have anything to do with anything? Christ was reminding them or bringing to their attention of what they should have known or understood. This particular verse was referencing Christ riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, which is found in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. Again, chapter 16, verse 12, is another scripture that supports verse seven in the book of John chapter 13. And it reads, I have not, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot handle them right now. How be it when the spirit of truth come, et cetera, et cetera. This scripture was reminding them or bringing to their attention that later on in their life, in their ex experience, after his resurrection, because he promised them the spirit, You'll find that in the book of Joel. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So he was reminding them that there will be something else that will come to mind for you. What? To strengthen you, to guide you, to keep you, to direct you, to give you a way to move in my power according to the Holy Ghost. So the verse 7 in chapter 13 has something else to say about walking into the feet being washed. So the question remains, why and what was the reason for the feet to be washed? Okay, so the question still remains, why? Why were the feet washed? When Christ called the disciples, each time he said to them, I will make you what? Fishers of men that he was preparing them for ministry. He was preparing them to carry what? The good news, the gospel of the life and story of Jesus Christ. 
So in the process of washing feet, he was preparing the feet. See, washing aided in their spiritual cleansing. We read that your feet represent direction. Your feet represent goals. Your feet represent objectives. And what I mean by that, I support that with Psalms 23 and 4. Yea, though I walk through, that's direction. Yea, though I walk through the valley, through the valley of challenges and things that in your life you, you may experience. He's preparing you to walk through storms, to walk through the hills and mountains and valleys, all the things that compass us about. As the man's testimony before he sung a song, there are challenges that come away, but what? He has prepared you to face every storm, every trial, and every issue that comes across your life. We know that in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of them or those who preach the gospel of peace. So again, he was washing their feet that they may be able to stand within the shoes that he walked in Christ. He's preparing them to carry something precious and powerful, just as we are the gospel of peace. Amen. Christ is simply saying, unless by my doctrine and my spirit, I shall purify you and remove what? So when you're being washed, what is actually being addressed in your washing? The pride in Matthew 26, 33. The lack of watchfulness in Matthew chapter 26, verse 40. Your anger in Matthew chapter 26, 51. And your timidity and fear in Matthew 26, 70. Washing, this is sanctification. Done by the power of the Holy Spirit who has within, who, who lives within us through the washing of the water of the word. You can catch up on that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. So what is being washed and what is being cleansed? Our conduct, our character, our attitude, and more importantly, our conversation. Hebrews 12, I mean, Hebrews 10, 22 says, How, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conversation, an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. That's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 11, and such were some of you, but ye are washed and ye are sanctified out of Ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So the feet washing confers to a dimension, if you will. Now, what I mean by dimension, it, it, it prepares you to walk in authority, in power. And how can I really explain that? By, but the only way that I can is going to the book of John again, chapter 3, verse 8. In that discourse, you are seeing Jesus talking to Nicodemus. 
Of course, Nicodemus is asking him, how can a man be born again? And Jesus going to say, you must be born again of the water and the spirit. But he brought something else to his attention that needed to be clarified, needed to be understood, needed to be talked about in a way to where we understand now, not only what is in us, but what enables us. In the third chapter, verse eight, Jesus says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. The wind bloweth where it listeth. What does that mean? The Holy Ghost is the subject of this matter. And if you and I are filled with the Holy Ghost, guess what? Our feet are carried by the will of the Holy Ghost which is obeying the impulse of a higher will that is blended with ours. I'm hoping you're following what I'm saying. He's washing their feet, preparing them to carry the gospel, but in order for them to carry the gospel, they first have to be filled with the Spirit. And if they're filled with the Spirit, now the Spirit can use them, guide them, and direct them into the direction where he listed, he wills them to go. Not your will, but his will. So if you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, if you've been cleansed and made whole, guess what? Now we are following not our voice, not our will, but his will. So he's preparing you to carry something greater in you, through you, for his glory. Is that all right? To accomplish God's will, every part of the body has a spiritual significance. The head, symbol of your destiny. Their hands, the symbol of your productivity. And your feet, keys to your establishment in life. Now, now again, the word listing, which is obeying the impulse of a higher will that's not our own. So where it listeth, that means what he does in you, with you, and through you is the direction that you will follow. And sometimes we wonder, okay, how does this work? I'll give you an example. My brother, Bart, he works at a school. And from time to time, the school has officers or policemen that come in and pretty much manage the, the, the area outside, police it, if you will. Now, we've all had our issues with law authorities. And we have our opinions and our thoughts about how they address not only people of color, but the things that they do. Now, he once told me as he was sitting in his car preparing to go into the job, he was compelled to get out of his vehicle and walk over to the officer that was on the same property and witness to him. Now, while he was sitting in his car, he wrestled with the idea of, and now is, is, is this is something that I should do, want to do, or should it be something I must do? He was compelled by a higher, a higher power and a will that dwells in his life. The will of the living 
God that compelled him to get out of his car and go over to this officer and begin to minister unto him. Begin to ask him in things that were relevant to the cause and the purpose why he stood in front of this man. And then after he witnessed to this man, he prayed with the man and the man was grateful that he took the time out to introduce him to Christ. So when he walked away and got in his car, yeah, there was a load lifted off his shoulders. That's true. And he was like, took a deep breath and said, man, I'm glad that's over with. But that in itself is what the spirit is talking about. What Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, he said, when the spirit listens, when it moves you or compels you to do what he has designed you to do, he has, he has given you the power to do. So what I'm saying is he's preparing you for something and everything that's in your life, in spite of your obstacles, in spite of the pitfalls, in spite of all the things that seem to give you hesitancy. He has already empowered you to accomplish his work. So he is preparing you for something that comes into your life. Now your feet, they have been washed. Your spirit, your body, your mind, everything has been addressed by the word of God. So where does that lead us? What should I say then or should I say now? that would bring more substance and foundation to why I use the word he's preparing. In John 13, 7. Now again, I'm talking about feet. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. We all know the armament of the soldier. But verse 16 says, and your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I want to just go into the, the description of that and why he used that description, Paul. Do you not know the word shod means footing and covering? The Bible says your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Preparation, which means the process of getting a thing ready. It means a readiness. That's what the word preparation means. That means you are ready for battle. He has already given you the ammunition, the power, the will, the strength, the might to walk through everything that you are going to endure. He's preparing you for everything that comes into your life. So again, I'm talking about the armament of the, of the soldier. Your feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, that was a shoe worn by every soldier. And what that shoe described, or a house described, it's like a football cleat that the football players wear. Under their sole, there are spikes that protrude from the sole of the foot. And what are these spikes for? As you prepare each and every day, and you go out your door into whatever your job or school or whatever the things that you have to deal with throughout the day. Your footing, your footing has been made secure. In other words, as you proceed to move forward, the spikes in the shoes prevent you from falling back. So as you prepare yourself for each day, remember, 
the preparation of the gospel, the peace has already given you the strength to walk through every storm, every situation in your life. Regardless of the struggle, you don't have to fall back. But just stand your ground and be confident knowing that the footwear, the, the, the promise and the purpose that you have, God has given you because he has prepared you to fight the good fight of faith. To carry the gospel of peace that you might be encouraged not only through the things that you meditate on, but the words that you may speak. So metaphorically, I need to say that when you hear the expression that is read in the book of Isaiah 52.7, and it reads, how beautiful are the feet. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings. So what is Isaiah 52, 7 trying to say as for you and me to recognize? When we walk into any room in our life, any environment in our life, any situation in our life, God has already given you the authority the power to stand your ground. And when you walk into that environment, because you are the salt of the earth, all you're saying is, is I'm here. All you're saying is that I've come. All you're saying is that everything that I see in front of me has to submit to me. That means the coming has arrived. I'm in the building. I know who I serve and I know who's my father and who's my king and who's my Lord. To them, he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You have been empowered by the Holy Ghost. So what I want to say in short is that the writer was saying what I am trying to teach you to get you to understand clearly. You may not see it right now, but if you dwell in me and abide in me, and allow me to be your Lord and Savior. Allow me to be your God, your keeper, your strength, your joy in the midst of your sorrow. I will enable you to conquer the things that need to be conquered in your life. Give you power to walk through the things that you need to walk through. Be I will give you power to do the things that I have designed for you to do. So what I'm trying to say to you this morning is he is preparing you for things that may come into your life. We don't have to fall or fail. Be confident in knowing that the God you serve. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said he'll bring you through every storm. Just ask the children of Israel when they brought them through the Red Sea. Just ask Joshua when he brought them through the, through the, through the River Jordan. Just ask them that he'll carry you through every storm. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did he not bring him out of the fiery furnace? He's preparing you. For some things that may happen and going on in your life. So I say to you in my closing, he's preparing you. And I want to encourage you to listen to that song. If you have it on your phone or whatever you have going on, listen to the song of the artist. He's preparing you for something that you feel that you may not handle right now. But he, and he, but he will provide for you. And so again, I want to thank Pastor Will and the body to allow me to stand before you and deliver a word. I pray that you were encouraged.
pray God has given you something to walk with, live by. And again, I want to thank Pastor Will for this opportunity that he's given me. Thank you.